1: join us, go to gigantic.is, that's gigantic.is, and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today.
0: Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm um, Michael Sacco.
2: And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we had Joelle Emerson on, uh, co founder of a consulting company called Paradigm. What
1: did you guys think?
3: this was great i mean this was a whole conversation about diversity in tech um how she's working to create more diversity through a data-driven process that she's taking into startup companies um in hopes that she can embed it in their culture now and so they can grow with it um, which I, I found fascinating um what do you guys think
0: yeah i thought it was great that she's focusing on tech companies initially and trying to strike a chord with how they usually do things you know tech companies are usually pretty methodical about how they approach problems and she's trying to get them to take that same data-driven approach with hiring and you know seeking out talent so let's get into it
3: we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy this week i talked to george Diab of working on about why he uses hover oh man uh yeah i've been using it for a long time probably 2012 i think I love it. It's the prices are great. The interface is awesome. And um, I still have a few uh, domains out in in some other places and I'm just waiting to find some time and I'll move them all to Hover. I love it. Yeah. Go to hover.com and use the code satisfied customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today. HostGator makes web hosting easy and affordable, with plans starting at just $3.96 a month. This week, we have a very special giveaway offer. You can get your HostGator t-shirt absolutely free. Go to bit.ly.com forward slash hostgator hyphen shirt. That's bit.ly.com forward slash hostgator hyphen shirt to get a HostGator shirt absolutely free.
0: CodeShip is a hosted continuous delivery service, focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports both your GitHub and Bitbucket projects, and you can get started with CodeShip's free plan today. Should you decide to go with a premium plan, you can save 20% off of any plan for the next three months by using code Rocketship. Go to CodeShip.com slash Rocketship and check it out.
2: So tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing with Paradigm and, and why. Yeah, so just to give a little bit of relevant background and context, before I started Paradigm, I was a women's rights lawyer and I was doing employment litigation. So I was suing companies that were basically getting this stuff wrong, things like sexual harassment, pay and promotion, pregnancy discrimination, um, and in the course of doing that, I started seeing patterns in those cases where. If certain things had been done differently earlier, um, the case that was in my office just would have never happened. Um, So I started thinking about where are opportunities to work with companies and build better cultures and healthier cultures where more diverse people get recruited, where they want to stay, where they get promoted. Um, And that's what led me to start to start Paradigm. And that's exactly what we do. So we take a really data-driven approach to working with companies to build out strategies to just be far more thoughtful and strategic about how they um, recruit, retain, advance, build the type of company where diverse people want to come and can be successful.
3: So what kind of things are, um, are you improving inside of a company that you know, could be driving away um, you know, having a diverse workforce? Like, wh- What are the things that you're, you're actually working on for these companies?
2: Yeah, so it's a pretty big span of stuff depending on the company's unique barriers. So just to give you kind of a bird's eye view, we look at everything from kind of the initial touch point in the people process, which is how are you trying to attract people to apply to your jobs and where are you looking for candidates, all the way up through how you're making um promotion and comp decisions and how you're writing performance reviews. So different companies uh, should focus on different parts of those things at different times, depending on kind of where they are in the stage of their growth, um, what unique barriers they might be seeing. But I can give you a couple of examples at at different points in that process of the types of things we're doing. So, um, you know, we, we work with some companies that are actually doing a great job of attracting diverse candidates, um, maybe because of their product or because of how successful they are. Uh, They're just a great place. People want to go work there. Um, But what they're not doing well is actually hiring those folks. So something might be going on between who's applying for their jobs and who's getting hired. Uh, So we work with them to find out what that is. We look at data. We look at what's going on in their recruiting process. And we look for whether there are any points at which there might be barriers that we can address. So uh, we like to look at whether uh, pass-through rates are different for men and women at different stages of the interview process. And every time we've done that, we found that there are usually one or two particular places in an interview process where something is going on that is leading women not to pass through that interview at the same rate as men or to get you know a no versus a yes, however the company might do it. Um, And then we we try to figure out why that is, and then we try to deploy an intervention to change that. So whether that is restructuring the interview questions in that particular part of the interview, training the interviewer on evaluating people more fairly or with less bias. You know, we use different types of strategies, but our strategies are really aimed at um, narrowing in on a particular problem we identify. So that's on the recruiting side. Then if you look at what's going on internally in companies, um, you know, one thing that we're working with some clients on is how do you build a better performance review process that ensures that managers are writing unbiased reviews that are really going to give everyone kind of the best the best feedback that they can get, and also propel their career um, in sort of an equal way across the team. So, you know, there are lots of types of bias that can come into play in performance reviews, and not just bias about people, not just stuff like gender or race, but stuff like recency bias. So, um, how do managers make sure that they're not overweighting? You know, someone who's done a huge project in the month before the performance review versus someone who did a ton of work six months ago that the manager just might not be remembering about. So mm-hmm. kind of building out processes that make sure that all of these uh, areas where we make decisions about people are as unbiased as possible.
3: This sounds very qualitative um, in, in, the, in the, the kind of the type of data you're collecting and then the analysis of it. Um, how what kind of um, data are you using? Are you doing any kind of quantitative data to, to signal any of this?
2: Yeah, sure. So we definitely are. I would say one of the barriers we, we would like to be using far more quantitative data. One of the barriers is that a lot of companies just aren't collecting this type of data. So mm. we do a lot of messaging to companies around why they should be collecting more granular data about job candidates, about employees. Um, but there's, you know, there's often a fear that that might expose you to some kind of legal risk. Uh, you know, so we, we have, we're, we have a lot of these conversations, but one area where we, we do get more quantitative is on the recruiting side. So we can look at, you know, let's say a sample set of 500 applicants over the past couple of years to a company. We look at every interview stage they went through. We look at, their demographics. And we start to see some, you know, statistically significant quantitative patterns around who's performing at what level in what type of interview. And, you know, who was the interviewer? Are there particular types of interviewers that are um, saying yes to particular types of candidates more often that that kind of assessment is all pretty quantitative. So do you primarily work with tech companies? Or is this um, more broad than than that? So right now, uh, all of our clients, except one, are tech companies, and they're all actually startups. Although you know the definition yeah. of startup is <laughs> uh, pretty can vary pretty significantly. So um, our largest startup has, I think, almost two thousand employees. Uh, the smallest has a hundred. So I think the common thread across our clients is that they don't have a lot of flawed embedded processes. So we want to work with companies that are just in the stage of building out their people processes and want to make sure that they build those with some thoughtfulness around things like bias and inclusiveness and diversity. So we don't want to be working with companies, at least at this stage in our growth, who are so far along that they have a ton of problems to solve. Um, so if you if you look at companies that are huge, Google, Facebook, for them even mo- moving the needle 1% on diversity is going to be a huge challenge. But for the companies that we work with who are maybe doubling in size in the next eight months or a year, that's a really cool opportunity to actually change what the company looks like pretty quickly. So what kind of trends are you seeing based on... Uh, even like the quantitative data that you've gathered so far, um, are you seeing kind of the same things popping up across all these companies or is it pretty unique to each one? Some things are pretty similar across companies and some things are actually surprisingly unique. I, I anticipated going into this that we would see the exact same problems at every company and that we would be able to build out like kind of a toolkit that any company could deploy Um, and that just hasn't been the case. So there are some things that are really similar, a couple of those things. One is, you know, I think whiteboarding interviews. It's something that a lot of tech companies do, that all the data that we've seen, both from our research and external research, has told us that those are really, really bad types of interviews for evaluating candidates overall, um, and they're particularly bad for evaluating diverse candidates. So some theories on why that might be, I mean, you know, why I think they're bad for evaluating candidates overall is that they don't look very much like the work that an engineer does when they actually join the company. So the best type of interview process is one that tests you on the types of skills that you're actually gonna need in the job. Whiteboarding, you know, coding standing up on a whiteboard it, is not what most engineers do in their job. So it's it's not always capturing the most relevant types of signals. It's also a type of interview that invokes kind of a lot of anxiety for some people. Um, you're, you're standing up in front of someone else. You're kind of on the spot. Um, and we think that that might be exacerbating some anxieties that people from underrepresented backgrounds already have going into interviews in fields where they're underrepresented. And looking at the data bears that out. So we've seen data that suggests that people who perform, women who perform at the same rate as men are the same level as men on computer coding interviews perform at vastly different rates on whiteboarding interviews with men far outperforming women. And these are the same people that performed the exact same on coding interviews on their computer. So this is something that kind of across the valley I would like to see change. I would love to see companies just stop using whiteboarding interviews as a practice altogether. Um, And there are some companies that don't use them. You know, Stripe just released earlier this week a description of its uh, on-site interview process for engineers that, that indicates that it doesn't use whiteboarding interviews. I know other companies are talking about getting rid of them, um, but you know there's there's mounting evidence that this is just a really bad practice. So that's that's an example of you know a barrier that I see on the recruiting side that's very similar company to company. Um, things that are different, you know, depending on how where you are in your growth. Uh, the type of thing, you know, I mentioned this earlier, the type of thing you should be focusing on is pretty different. So for example, if you are a company that's doubling in size in the next six months, eight months, one year, you should be focusing your diversity efforts pretty heavily on recruiting. Because once you make all those hires, you can't go back and change that. So uh, you have to make sure that you're building out the right kind of sourcing strategy, the right process for interviewing, all of this to make sure that you're getting that diversity early. Um, For companies that are a little bit more settled, aren't, aren't kind of scaling at that pace, they should really be focused heavily on culture, making sure that they're building an organization and an environment where everyone has an equal opportunity or chance to be successful. So it's not to say that the problems are really different, but the areas of focus that are gonna have the biggest impact are pretty different.
3: Why do you think that this is such an issue in tech um, right now? And and why do we have such a homogenized workforce at the moment?
2: Oh, it's such a good question. So I would first say it's not only an issue in tech. It's if you look at other you know, any other industry really, most other industries. So my, you know, my former industry, law. Women have been approximately fifty percent of law school graduates for a while now, and they're about fifteen percent, thirteen to fifteen percent of equity partners in law firms. So, oh, wow. yeah, so there are a lot of industries that are doing a pretty bad job on this. Um, financial services is another, and interestingly, those two industries in particular are ones that have been, you know, thinking about diversity for twenty years and haven't quite <laughs> figured it out yet. So, uh, so that's not too promising. Um, what I think is. Sort of unique about tech or what's going on right now is that, you know, first of all, some research suggests that the number of women in engineering or in computer science has actually declined. I think there's a little bit of mixed feedback on that research, but in any event, the numbers are low. So there's something going on very early in the educational pipeline around what we're encouraging girls to study versus boys. And then there's something going on in the culture and tech that's not really supporting people from different backgrounds. So that's that's women, that's underrepresented minority groups. Um, you know, for example, we know that women are leaving tech at more than twice the rate of men. And that's a huge, that attrition problem is huge. So what's going on? I think a lot of things, um, and I think at the same time, you know, they're, they're not things that are super unique to tech. So things like Unfriendly cultures, things like a lack of flexibility, which is really hard for people that have obligations outside of work. Things like unconscious bias, which lead us to have certain archetypes of who, what an engineer looks like, what a manager looks like. And that actually affects the decisions we make in the workplace when we're making promotion decisions. So when you look at women who are leaving tech and why they say they're leaving, um, there's a perceived lack of fairness, a perceived lack of opportunity to rise up in their organizations, a lack of flexibility. Um, so all of these things are are contributing to bad numbers. And then I think they send a message down to to other generations that this just isn't a field for you. I think mm-hmm. we need to change all of that stuff. Um, but you know, while this isn't unique to tech necessarily, I think the impact of having this lack of representation in tech is maybe disproportionate to that of other industries. So you know, tech companies are creating products that are really defining the future and to not involve everybody in, in those kind of decisions and in that process is just more worrisome to me than not having full representation in other industries like law. So I think the impact of not having women and people of color um, taking part in this designing of the future is just really, really significant.
3: I mean, I think the law is um it probably a little bit understated not having women represented in in law um, but you know at the cause at the same time that bubbles up to our our um, you know our policies and totally you know but at the same time what advantages do we have from including i mean you hear from a lot of hiring managers i just hire the best person um, obviously there's bias in that but what are the advantages to having this diverse um, workforce that that are beyond just having the best people on your team
2: yeah this is my favorite question so there's all this great research that shows that when you bring diverse people together on a team that team becomes smarter it becomes more creative it makes better decisions so I I love when hiring managers say, I just want to hire the best person, because I think they're not thinking about building the best team. So you might have great people that all look the same, went to the same school, came from the same previous company. When you put all those great people on a team together, they're going to solve problems in a very similar way, and they're going to miss stuff. So those all might be great hires, but they might not build the best team. And that's what I think hiring managers sometimes aren't super aware of and super thoughtful about. Um, but I, but I love this research because it shows that it's not only, you know, by adding diverse people to, to your team, you're not only getting the kind of unique perspectives of those people, but everyone else on the team actually has more unique perspectives and more creative ideas as a result of the influx of diversity onto the team. So when, when people on our team don't kind of share our beliefs and values and assumptions, we push ourselves to think differently. And that's just fascinating, fascinating research. Um, so I think that's, 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 that's kind of my favorite research on why diversity matters. I also think we should be thinking about who we're creating products for. So if a company is building products for all white or Asian men, maybe it's not such a huge problem for their team to reflect that demographic. I don't know any company that's really designing that way. So especially when you're thinking about consumer products, You want the people on your team to reflect the people that you're trying to understand the needs of and that you're trying to design and build for. Um, I think that is starting to become a bigger part of the conversation. But uh, I think when you don't have those types of people on your team, you don't fully understand their needs and you miss stuff that might be hugely successful for your product or you maybe create stuff that isn't super successful because no one on your team was really thinking about that demographic. And then finally, um, there's a lot of research that shows correlation between, which, you know, it's different than causation, but there's a lot of research that shows correlation between diverse teams and uh, company outcomes. So, you know, companies with women on their boards perform better, companies with female CEOs perform better. So these, you know, it's not the most compelling scientific data, but there is research to suggest that different types of diversity actually lead to um, positive financial outcomes for companies. Do you think terms like you know, femgineer and some of the things that are cropping up, do you think that's harmful um, and kind of, even though maybe it's kind of meant to be empowering for some people, it's actually like a step back because, again, it's just defining you as different. That's a really interesting philosophical question. I don't think it's harmful because, basically because I take my cues from people who are in this industry and are saying what's helpful to them. So I think if there are terms like that that are helpful to keeping female engineers in this industry and kind of if people tell me that that term empowers them and that it creates sort of an atmosphere that makes them want to stay, then that's great to me. Like I think we need to just listen and take our cues from people who are in this field and telling us what they need and what they want. So I totally get where you're coming from and I get the question, but I would say, you know, I would say no. No. Um, I, I have seen, you know, in in different industries and at different times, sort of people over silo themselves by, by either developing certain terms or developing, you know, very siloed networking groups where women only network with other women and men only network with other men. I think you can definitely go too far in that direction, but I think as long as the people in the industry feel empowered or some subset of people feel empowered by that, I think that's great.
3: Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for for coming on. Where do we keep up with you online?
2: Yeah, so you can check out Paradigm. It's paradigmiq.com. I'm at joelle underscore Emerson. And yeah, I'd love to hear from folks that are thinking about this issue. So anyone anyone that's interested in this should definitely reach out.
3: Great, all right, well, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, Rocketship.fm.
3: And be sure to check out our app discount section, where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to Rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today.
1: Out of this
2: place, so kind, children's eyes. Well, I grew up in a dirty world, so
0: sorry, now I got a dirty mind.